Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, USA Rugby head coach Gary Gold. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by Irish Rugby Tours. The Balanced Palette, nutrition for peak performance. AFIA Sports Training Group. And the Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street in New York City. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy and Steve Lewis in the Fantasy Sports Network studios in Midtown Manhattan talking rugby. And Stephen, we have a special guest with us, don't we? Yes, we do. We have Mr. Gary Gold, the head coach of Team USA. And Gary, it's great to have you in here and Happy New Year. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to you guys as well. Thanks for having me. You know, Gary, it's we, we, it, we've had to keep you out of the studio for quite some time because Steve is Scottish and you guys did beat Scotland. I believe we did, yeah. I believe we did. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. <laughs> we'll get to that later. By the way, uh, uh, fellow coaches, uh, you guys know that the, the first thing that happens when you get a head coaching job is that you know that you're probably going to get fired, so you have to enjoy the accolades while you can. Our fellow coach, Steve Lewis, just won an accolade. Senior, uh, senior men's coach for sevens in the United States of America? No, it doesn't distinguish, but actually it was mostly sevens this year, yeah. But it, it's just... Uh, just senior coach of the year, yeah. Yeah. Senior Men's Coach of the Year, awarded at the NDS this last weekend. Yes. That's correct. Yeah, so that's correct. kudos to you. That's, that's two. Thank you. Two of the last four? Two of the last four. So you, Spencer Tracy, and Tom Hanks, two-time... And Josh Smith. And Josh... Uh, yes, two-time Oscar winners. Absolutely. There's, yeah. there's a few of us. Two-time Oscar winners for, for 300, Alex. Uh, but Coach, for the folks that don't know you at home, you are the head coach of Team USA's Men's Eagles program, which are right now ranked 12th in the world, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Uncharted waters. 2018, I think, was a terrific year. As we said, 12th is the highest USA's ever been ranked. Um, so kudos to you, your coaching staff, and the players, and uh, a terrific 2018. But it's 2019. <laughs> Teeing you up. He's tough. He's tough. And he's been winding me up for long enough now. I can take it. <laughs> so... Tell us about 2019. How, what's it looking like? It's a, it's a World Cup year for you, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Just really exciting, you know, really exciting times. I mean, one of the, uh, one of the biggest issues about uh, having a reasonably successful year is that the pressure's on you, you know, the following year. Um, they say in, uh, in, in cliches that it's uh, reasonably simple to enjoy a little bit of success uh, at some stage. The real difficult part is when you have to start to repeat that success. So... You know, one of the things we spoke about as a coaching group this last weekend when we assembled was that uh, you, you, you know we uh, you know we we're going to be the team that everybody wants to beat now. Certainly from an ARC point of view, ARC is going to be a fantastic opportunity for us because it's it's quite genuinely going to be the groundwork for our Rugby World Cup preparation. Um, we're going to hopefully get for a large period of time of the, of the ARC. We're going to have a, a lot of the guys that are going to be involved in Rugby World Cup, and uh, for that period of time, I think. Um, you know, the five or six weeks that we're together, we're going to have to put a lot of hard work in and uh, and continue to grow in what we did last year. But, you know, knowing knowing full well that, you know, Brazil are a completely different entity as a team. Uh, Argentina in Argentina is, is, is not going to, you know, is not going to be an easy, easy ride. And, you know, last year we saw that uh, even Uruguay had a couple of pretty good performances. So they're going to they're going to come here in the Rugby World Cup year a lot more improved as well. So it's going to be a big challenge, and, 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 and obviously, dare I said, you know, Canada have started improving now as well and started playing well. So we've got Canada in Seattle, which is just down the road for nearly a, practically a home game for them. Um, officially, it is actually a home game for them. So, you know, we've got a, 
We've got a we've got a lot of work cut out for us um, this year, and and then obviously onto the PNC in in July, and then uh, from there we you know Okinawa here we come. So so just just to clarify the schedule for 2019, as you've said, we have uh, five games in the ARC coming up. That's yes. February and March. So that's five games over a six week period. It's a, it's a pretty long tour, almost well half away, half home. You then go Pacific Nations, so we'll be playing Canada and Denver, Fiji in Fiji, Samoa in Fiji. Exactly. I, believe, I believe it's Japan and Samoa in Japan Fiji. and Samoa. Okay. Japan and Samoa in Fiji, which 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 will really be a good test for us. I mean, Japan are a Japan are a quality outfit, as as we all know the history of what happened with them in the last Rugby World Cup. But they've really they really continued to improve under Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown, and uh, they, they're going to they're going to be a real handful for us. They, they pose a slightly different threat. They pose a threat from a from a from an attacking threat point of view and a work rate point of view, they're a very hard-working rugby team. So we, we're going to have a lot of challenges laid out to us this year. And then uh, just before then, Steve, we, we play Australia in a, in a, in a warm-up game in, on the West Coast, and then we head off to Japan. Terrific. So it, how soon is the Australia game after the Pacific Nations Cup? Is it tagged at the end or is there a gap? No, there's a gap, and then we play the Australia game, and then we've got 10 days before we leave. So it'll be, uh, we leave on the 16th of September, so it'll be at the beginning of September. Terrific. And so, so f- from a selection point of view, um, you sort of intimated earlier, you felt you'd have the majority of the guys you want for the World Cup in the ARC. Um, you're trying to stay, something that's been, I, I think, a, a feature of your coaching over the last year has been a consistency in selection. So is it your intent um, to be consistent and remain consistent? You know your best 2025 guys. Or are there opportunities anywhere in these two um, playing windows where you're going to take a chance, bring someone in, take a look? I think the answer is yes to both of them. So fundamentally, um, the first question that you asked is, yes, the, the large majority of the group is the group that's been tried and tested. Say the larger spine, it might be, it might be 22, it might be 25. But certainly, uh, you know, we could select 22 or 23 players right now. And then there's another seven or eight spots that are available, and and there we will be we will be bringing in um, quite a quite a, a lot of fresh blood over the period of the ARC, and we're going to have to experiment a little bit. We're going to have to understand what that may look like, um, particularly if we're going to be giving guys like David Anui and Chance Wengleski opportunities to to play during the ARC. Um, it's exciting for us because they're young players. I mean, there's a there's a wonderful crop of young players all under the age of 22 years old who have. Many of them have already been capped for, by, by, by the Eagles. And now what we want to do is we just want to get as much game time under their belt as possible and let them continue to grow and be backed by us as a coaching staff. So so the answer is yes to both, Steve, but there won't be overall changes, no, not to the large uh, majority of the squad. And big guns, you're European big guns. So um, will they get released? And for how long will they be released? So, for instance, you've got AJ coming back, but he's not quite fit. I mean, he's not fully recovered from injury is what I mean. Right. So with regard to that, that's about you managing relationships with coaches in the UK? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So um, the ARC is a Reg 9 competition. Um, by the letter of the law, uh, the clubs are obliged to release all the players all of the time. But we really do want to build up a relationship, not only with the clubs in Europe, but also the clubs, the MLR clubs here as well. So um, we've we've been quite an extensive admin job between Dave Hodges and myself. We've reached out to all the players and all the coaches and and each single one of the scenarios is a slightly different scenario. So in the in case of AJ, AJ will come into on stateside um, a little bit earlier because the sailor are in a position to release him. 
We'll do a full evaluation with him, with our strength and conditioning team. When Hugh Bevan moves down to uh, down to Fort Lauderdale earlier, um, hopefully then AJ will pass. He's the 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 the, uh, the the reports are that he's looking good, and he'll come down to South America with us for the first two games, and then he'll return to sail after that. But but we're happy with that because then it gives us an opportunity. Will Hooley, on the other hand. The club in the UK, Bedford, Bedford, have asked for Will to stay because they're in a cup competition. So it works for us if we can leave Will in the UK then, knowing that he's going to get some game time. And then when AJ goes back, Will comes in. And obviously we've got Will Maggie and we've got Ben Seaman. We've got, we've got a handful of guys that we can. So, so it's, a, it's a good balance. It's a good balance. It's, I'm certainly feeling a lot more comfortable with that situation this year than I am last year. So piggybacking on, on a couple of these points, how does your your previous relationships? Because you have a great resume, uh, you know, and a, and a pretty full resume in different setups across the board, across the globe. How is it? Can you just pick up a phone and maybe call up a guy over at Worcester or or at Sale and say, "Hey, can you can you help us? Does it does it work that way?" At sure. All, those sure. Relationships. Sure. Sure. I mean, ideally, in the beginning. Um, a lot of unions would just literally send out their Ignan letter. Um, how that traditionally works, it goes through the channels, which is it'll go through USA Rugby. USA Rugby will write to the corresponding unions. In the case of in the United Kingdom, it'll obviously be the RFU. And then in goes to Nigel Melville. And from Nigel, he will send it out to the other clubs, uh, to all the clubs that are, are relevant. And the club gets, gets that information. But in our case, uh, because the relationship um, because the whole situation is very unique to USA Rugby, because we've got guys playing in three, four different countries, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, France, and England, it's really important. Um, uh, we, we feel it's very, very important. It's something that Dave Hodges has driven really well is, is that we reach out to those individuals first and foremost before they get a regular nine letter through the normal, through the normal route. So, so between Dave and myself, we will write to the coach specifically uh, on a personal level, and just say this is what we're thinking about. Please let us know if there's any views that you disagree with, and and we do. We often get letters back, and we get correspondents back saying, uh, "Really happy that you can compromise. Can we compromise here, or there?" And, and unfortunately, sometimes you're going to have to make tough calls. Particularly for, for us this year, I think I think going forward we can be really lenient in three years. In a rugby World Cup year, is the year that we we really do need to have a good group of guys assembled for for a substantial period of time. Before, before we take a break, we've got to take a quick break, but just before I forget it, um, how important is winning in the ARC as much as it is getting players playing time and ready for the World Cup? Because last time I saw you was in Ireland, mm-hmm. and in the press conference afterwards, you were, you were pretty forthright saying, listen, we've got these young guys that we had valuable experience, and I thought you were getting buried by the press there about the, the drubbing, and I'm like, it was a number one team. In the, in the world against, at that point, I think we were 14 or 13, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe, you know. Yeah. Uh, are you, are, is your vision still France more than it is, you know, big bang wins in, in Japan? There's no way, uh, Maddie, as you said earlier, you, you don't, you know, the life of a coach is, can, can go in a blink of an eye. I'm not contracted past 2019 Rugby World Cup, so obviously my focus is 2019 um, spent a year with the team, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my time, absolutely love this group of players, and I think they can do special things. I do. I have a huge amount of faith in the players. I've not been able to say that about a lot of teams I've worked with, but it's just something about this group of players that I really enjoy. Um, 
I think they are particularly committed and they're committed to wanting to go places where maybe the Eagles have never been before. So obviously my focus at the moment now is 100% on 2019. Uh, do, do I think potentially the Eagles can be more successful in 2023 than they may be in 2019? Yeah, I do. I do because I think the way things are changing at the moment now and the things that that the organization want to do differently and keeping more continuity, not only with staff, but also with with a playing group and, and the advent of the MLR and that getting stronger. I just think things are starting to fall into place a little bit better now that the, the experience of the group going to the 2019 World Cup can be substantially uh, um, better and, and, and more, that's the word I suppose I'm looking for, more experienced. Really? Yeah, sure. And I mean, if you just want to look at it in one, if you want to look at it in one one view, just look at the cumulative caps. I mean, during the course of of the June series and leading into November series, cumulative caps that we had, we couldn't even get to three hundred cumulative caps. I mean, teams that win rugby world cups are late seven hundreds, early eight hundreds cumulative caps. You know, the new the All Blacks in the last Test match had four Centurion rugby players. We need to be in a position where by two thousand and twenty three, we've got four to five guys with fifty Test cap. Eagles players, and, and hopefully by then maybe one or two or 100 test caps. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with Steve's question, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about the relationship with the MLR, Major League Rugby. We'll be right back. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle on West 36th Street. Ladies and gentlemen, every December, Rugby Wrap-Up's producer, Johnny Lewis, the mad Welshman, and his equally mad brother, Simon, attempt to get on Welsh TV. And as you can see, they get creative. This year, they went one better. They upped their game, and they did it at the Cardiff versus Dragons Guinness Pro 14 match at the famous Cardiff Arms Park which coincidentally happened to be USA Captain Blaine Scully's 50th match for the Cardiff Blues. Poor Scully. Anyway. Good, good. Take a breath. Good, take a breath. Johnny and Simon, Simon being the one in the yellow and black stripes, begged, pleaded, and blagged their way onto the field for the halftime crossbar challenge, elbowing little kids and old ladies out of the way. Johnny, donning the powder blue, thought it was a corner flag challenge, apparently, with his lame attempt. And god-awful attempts at the posts aside, Simon managed to share the TV spotlight with the greatest, Gareth Edwards and Gethin Jenkins. Rest assured, Warren Gatland will not be calling Simon anytime soon. So after failing to win the crossbar challenge and the expensive watch, they didn't just exit the pitch. More egregious still, after failing to win the crossbar challenge and actually embarrassing themselves in it and failing to win the expensive watch, which was the award, they decided to play on the famous Cardiff Arms Park pitch and not noticing the fact that the players were back on for the second half of this Pro 14 game. 
Johnny and Simon Lewis were once again able to keep up their tradition of getting on Welsh TV during the annual Cardiff versus Dragons match. Kudos, boys, and we know that Blaine Scully is likely smiling at a coffee shop nearby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> And we are back. Matt McCarthy, Steve Lewis, and Gary Gold, head coach of Team USA. Steve, you had a burning question that you wanted to ask before the break. Go ahead. Burning question. Um, yeah, so National Development Summit this last weekend, um, lots of seminars, and I was particularly struck with one, uh, and that was Hugh Bevan, strength and conditioning, yep. who is a relatively new to the team, or maybe three, four months now. Um, so this is... Uh, a highly decorated professional, you would say, who's come in and would appear. He is very much in command of his facts. Now, I asked him and Greg afterwards, um, what's the sort of tussle about time in training? So here's a guy who's very insistent on the amount of time and the quality of reps and what you should be doing over the course of the week. And you have a skills coach who wants to do X. You Maybe Sean Pittman wants to do Y. You're obviously the referee. Is that, how do you manage that tension between the coaches? Oh, no, Steve, I wouldn't say it's a tension. Um, as you know me well enough by now, um, I'm, I'm very much around the facts and I'm very much around the scientific evidence. Um, I, I, I think um, this is the challenge where coaching is going at the moment now because you do have almost this tug of war the whole time where if, if, if I use Greg as an example, who's an attack coach and he's a skills coach and he wants to... You know, he wants to command a team that are going to score tries and play attractive rugby and obviously look after the ball through phases. He's going to be very focused around the skill development, which is quite right. Hughes' role and responsibility is to make sure that the team are fit enough to be able to play that type of a game. So I think marrying the two is really where the answer is. And, and where that requires in some people's minds a little bit harder work, well, then so be it. But that's really what the requirement's taking at the moment now. The, the, the beauty with the answer to that question and, and, and the, the solution is that in any case, Greg would want the players to be skillful under pressure when they're fatigued in any case. So I don't think that that's too much of a challenging uh, problem. It, it, it's, it's a situation as a coach that requires thorough planning um, and, and a, a very good knowledge of the science and a very good um, understanding of the requirements of what both Greg and Hugh in this case and your example require. But I think once we understand what that is, so Hughes would be about the composition of the of the the session, the workload on the body, whether that's the physical workload or whether that's the cardiovascular workload or whether that's the 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 uh, speed workload, and Greg would be able to get what he wanted from a skills point of view. So in many ways, I actually think it's a it's a better thing for a coach because it puts us under pressure to not have this false dawn that Greg's running a skill session, for example, and it's an attack session, and we feel it looks really good, but it's not against opposition. They're not fatigued. They're not really getting challenged. And they find that the step up when they get into a game against better opposition is too big for them to be able to handle it. Great. And um, one more coaching philosophy one before I turn you back. Um, so you, you had mentioned during the course of the weekend at some stage, can't quite remember when, um, about not expecting someone to be able to perform on a Saturday but they haven't performed the skill during practice. So with respect, my understanding is you, do, you like a few more collisions in training, but more contact. Mitch apparently was much more high-quality reps, less contact, and you, you are a believer in more contact because you can't do it on a Saturday if you haven't done it on a Wednesday. Could you elaborate? 
don't necessarily want to categorize it as contact versus not contact. The, the wording I'd prefer to use is game-related training. So, and, and potentially, potentially, if we understand, and we do, what game-related looks like from a numbers point of view. So we have a very good understanding in terms of what game-related looks like in terms of meters per minute, the stress in the body, the amount of distance that the players are covering, the amount of times that they have up-downs, the collisions that they have, the G-force on those collisions. Understanding what a game looks like, we actually really want to train at a higher level in that. And, and, but, it, but not for the same periods of time. Obviously, there's a balance there. So it's not for me just about do we want to do collisions or don't we do, do, do collisions. I would, I'm very much more about us training in a game-related environment or, or even tougher than what the game-related environment is because then I feel that the transfer onto the ga- into the game is, is, going to be, is, going to be a li- is going to be a lot more, more um, well, realistic. And, and, and Steve, just to finish the point, I'm coached for many, many years against New Zealand teams. And unfortunately, I, I, I say this, is many, many times at international rugby and even at super rugby level, gone into games and I felt that we've had a, a very good preparation the minds are right for the guys and we've gone in and we've literally just been blown off the field because the level of intensity is too high a- and I have to look back at myself as a coach and go I don't think I prepared the guys adequately because whatever we did during the course of that week or the weeks leading into it or the preseason, that team were blown off the park I don't think they were necessarily better rugby players on that particular day I don't think they necessarily did anything with the ball in hand that we couldn't do they could just do it at a, for a longer period of time at a much higher intensity. So that's the reason why, for me, from a logical point of view, and from what I, I read and I believe the science is, you need to, to, to train in game-related situations. Great. Uh, I don't think they feed the families of the All Blacks if they lose. I think that's what hangs over their heads, right? I mean, you know, they're, they're, But it seems to be the rest of the world is starting to catch up a little bit. You know, you had the, the November tests, you had... The All Blacks on the ropes, they did pull out the wins, you know, a couple of wins in Ireland beat them. So, anyway, let's... Well, everyone's getting better, right? It's, it was also said at the weekend, every country's getting better. Everybody's working, trying to improve. It's just who's getting better getting better. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. Okay, so let's segue into, because we're running out of time. I know you got to go, but, and you're kind of in ta- you're going to hit, you're going to hit a Rooney, a Rugby United New York training session? That's right. Yeah, I'm hoping to catch up with the guys this evening. We're due to go to a training session there, and then... Uh, heading up to Boston in the next couple of days and going down to New Orleans early next week. So I'm going to get in as much time with the major league clubs as we possibly can before we hit the ground running ourselves. We have a, we have a head coach from Team USA going all these different things, and, and that's number one. And number two, you have these things to go to. You have the ARCs, the America's Rugby Championship. You have Major League Rugby, the MLR. Now, there are those out there that are worried that this is going to hurt the MLR in a way in terms of players being taken away for the national team. But this is the nature of the beast in world rugby. And professional leagues all know about this. Yes, um, that's true. That's one way of looking at it. In saying that as well, it doesn't necessarily need to be like that. Um, and I say that because I believe they're looking at it. But you know, there's major league rugby and it only goes on for a certain period of time. And it's not an incredibly long period of time. It's not as long as... English Premiership or the top 14. And so there, therein lies an opportunity for me because we don't need to be playing MLR and ARC at the same time. Right. There's enough time in the year. Yeah. You know, we should be playing MLR, in my opinion, and leaving, leaving the players at those clubs and letting them play their week in and week out and, 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 and letting the clubs feel that they're getting value for money on the players 
And then let's play the international window at another time of the year because the problem is from August, September, and not this year because it's a Rugby World Cup year, in a normal year, everybody's upset because nobody's playing rugby. So I'm not happy with the preparation pre-November because no one's playing rugby. The MLR clubs aren't happy because their players aren't getting to play at that time of year. So I think those are solutions that are being worked through at the moment. Um, I'm very, very positive about the leadership of, 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 of the group of people who are making those decisions. And I think ultimately that's where we're going to get to in a very short period of time, to hopefully in a few short years. I think one of the questions for the MLR folks is that they don't want to compete with head-on with one of the major sports here in America. And this kind of window... It falls at the end of the NFL season. Sure, the Super Bowl is in it, in that window. Would you would you move the ARC or would you move the MLR schedule? Um, probably move the ARC to post July, um, only because I have another train of thought around about that, and 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 that would be that that um, down in the Southern Hemisphere they're playing the Rugby Championship at the same time. So, you know, and then it would make sense that there's that much Test match rugby around the world almost at the same time. So maybe I'm I'm still thinking with trying to go the route of a global season, which I, I know is is way off. And global calendar question. Yeah, there's too many. There's too many segment show. There's too many people who who there's too many issues around that at the moment. But I think from our point of view, I would leave them the MLR here now, and I'd move the ARC at late stage. I, I will say as well though that uh, again it it's a bit of a balancing act, and and I I feel that the, the with all the best respect in the world. I'm not necessarily sure that rugby is going to is is going to suffer because you happen to be playing at the same time as the NBA or the NFL or NHL. I just think to be playing rugby and having an organisation that makes a lot of sense and everybody can play at the same time is is more important than worrying about whether you're playing at a at the same time of a major league sport. But I'm not an expert in that, and I need to admit that. You know, I'm, it's just my personal gut feel is, you know, we need the relationship between. The national team and the major league rugby clubs, it's more important for me um, that we keep growing that going forward and everybody gets to play and everybody seems to have a, a rugby global season that works for everybody. The ugliest word in world rugby, calendarization. It's come into vogue lately as a grammar Nazi. I just don't think it's a word. But um, yeah, it kind of sums this up. It's what, what is the global calendar? What is the annual calendar? Is there too much rugby? Uh, what works best for American rugby? So all valid points. So you've got specific players that I wanted to, I wanted to talk about. Um, one of them is uh, Samu Manoa, right? Just released from Cardiff. Uh, I think they called it a compassionate release or something along those lines to be with his, you know, he's got some family stuff. Um, is he still in the pool for the Eagles? Sure. No question of a doubt about it, yeah. Um, yeah, we've been chatting to Samu. I mean, he's in, physically he's in a good, he's in good shape. As you say, he's spending some time with his family at the moment now which is important and it's great. And I think he's really happy to be back with the family. Um, there's some really exciting rugby opportunities for him um, at this moment in time. I think he's got a couple of options on the plate for himself at the moment. But from an Eagles point of view, Sam is, uh, Sam is a big part of, of us. And, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the guys who uh, was fantastic, certainly for me as, as a new coach, to be able to lean on a senior player of, of, of his magnitude. Uh, his leadership within the group was fantastic. His relationship towards myself and the coaching group was wonderful, uh, and and you know Steve will tell you as a coach. I mean, we we need the we need the players more than they need us, uh, and and don't be fooled about that. You know the the coach doesn't have as much influence as what people think out there. And you know when you've got senior players like <laughs> don't let on, don't let on. <laughs> when you've got senior players like Blaine and Nate and uh, Samu and Mikey Taylor and the list goes on, who are so 
you know, who are so willing to work with a coaching group, it, 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 you know, it makes our lives a lot easier. Yeah, perhaps this it gives a guy like this who's a banger, he's, he's up front and, you know, physical all the time, a break, a much-needed break, maybe a mental break as well. Sure. I mean, you know, Samu's come off the back of a couple of very long seasons. The English Premiership when he was at Northampton and the French Top League is, is tough rugby. It's yeah. week in, week out, tough rugby for a very long period of time. You know, and, and, you know, when you get to your mid-30s, it takes its toll on you after a while, especially when you're a big guy, you know, and, and his attribute is his physicality. So um, I think this could really work well for him. I mean, he, he also had a little bit of an issue, if you remember, in November with his knee. So his knee's ha had an opportunity to settle down a bit now. Um, I believe he's working really hard in his fitness. And as you say, clear head, happy to be with the family. And, uh, you know, our last correspondence, really excited to be back in the, in the um, Eagles group as soon as possible. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Seamus Kelly because Seamus recently announced his retirement from rugby as per a back injury. Yeah. You know, he was on the World Cup team in 2015. He was looking to play with rugby in New York. And yeah, you know, that, he, was, he was another tough as nails kid. Yeah, and that was sad as well because Seamus was certainly somebody when we heard that he was going to be involved with, with Rooney. We were excited to see, you know, what that might look like. So it's, it's never nice to see a, a, you know, a player retire. I think Steve's still, still in mourning about the news of Andy Murray. So... Um, I think the, the only, British, the British Andy only, Murray when he won, only Scottish uh, successful sportsman, I believe, ever of all time. The, the only, Colin did you Montgomery. say <laughs> the most? The most, I will accept. Uh, Final question, yeah. Um, ARC squad announcement. When are you letting the public know, or is it? Uh, when is the rugby wrap up exclusive coming out about the squad announcement? I think we can give you an exclusive, guys. I think the squad's already been announced. Steve, unfortunately, has been celebrating his award for so long that he hasn't been checking in with the media at the moment. Now, I think the squad's going to be it's going to be uh, announced, um, I believe, by the end of this week. Excellent. On that note, I want to thank Mr. Gary Gold for coming in, and of course, the two-time senior men's national champion, uh, uh, trophy-winning. You need to do uh, that coach. one again. What is it? Just you say it. Senior coach of the year. Senior coach of the year. Just It just rolls right off his tongue. You know, when you get used to it, it's, mm. it's not easy. I've never won anything like that. But in all seriousness, congratulations. Thank you for coming in. Matt McCarthy for Mr. Gary Gold and Mr. Steve Lewis at the Fantasy Sports Network, Studio 34, Inman Town, Manhattan, talking rugby. And we're signing off.